Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. Hello everyone, it's Shannon back with you for your usual Tuesday morning episode. Today I'm sharing an interview with author Kristen Beck. So we are discussing some historical fiction. Kristen has written a World War II themed novel called Courage, My Love, and we'll be talking about that as well as some of the other fabulous historical fiction that is out in the world right now. Definitely stay tuned after the interview for my discussion of this week's new books. But before we get started with any of that, I have for you the usual housekeeping information, and then we'll just get right into the episode. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Kristen Beck, whose novel Courage, My Love, released in the U.S. on April 13th. So, Kristen, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. You are very welcome. I like to start off by having authors give listeners a bit of an introduction to the novel that we're going to talk about. So, if you could just let people know what they can expect from your book, that would be great. Sure. Um, So, this is a World War II novel set in Italy. Um, And when the story opens, it starts with two main characters named Francesca and Lucia. And they start the book off as quite ordinary women. Um, They're living in, they've grown up in fascist Italy and are now living in Italy um, at war. And Francesca is a polio survivor from a small town who has followed her fiance to Rome. And she doesn't really see um, much of a future for herself outside of being married to her fiance. And she has an inkling that she should have a different kind of future, but she's not sure what that could be. Um, So she's a character that at the beginning of the novel really needs to find her own strength. Um, And then Lucia is a single mother to a small child. um, And she had a husband who disappeared under mysterious circumstances. So she has been raising a child alone during the war. um, And it was a very tumultuous time in Italy. So she's really just focused on the day to day survival of being um, a single mother in that time. And Lucia was raised in a very fascist family. So um, she has inner conflict about that. She's had doubts about fascism for years, but she has been too consumed with her day-to-day life to think much uh, beyond that. 
And then in 1943, um, Mussolini was deposed and Italy switched sides uh, about a month and a half later in the war. So they went from being allied with Germany to signing an armistice with the Allies. And um, that threw everyone in Italy into the position of having to choose which side they were going to be on because Germany, um, shortly after the armistice, flowed south and occupied central and northern Italy. So for my characters, suddenly they find their lives are turned upside down and they have to decide whether they're going to resist the Germans and the fascists who are trying to regain power or whether they're going to support the allies who are fighting up the peninsula. Amazing. There are so many really great resistance stories like set all over Europe during World War II. And I I love that so much. Mm -hmm. So when you decided to write this, were you at all concerned by the number of sort of already written World War II novels in general, but also like resistance stories in particular? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I wasn't really because there aren't very many novels set in World War II Italy. Um, that's changing a little bit. It seems like this year there's been a, a kind of a blossoming of interest in World War II Italy. Yes. Uh, still just not that many out there. Um, so when I was researching this, that was what struck me first, was just that there are lots of stories taking place in other parts of Europe during the war, but not too many set in Italy. And when I was researching, I came across just incredible stories, particularly of women who joined the resistance. Um, there were about 55,000 women who were formally recognized as being part of the resistance there, and probably many more that um, that were never recorded as participating, but women played a huge role in the Italian resistance. And I felt like that was a really untold story as so many women's stories have been untold. Um, so I think it's um, I think it's a story that was sort of waiting to be told. And I feel like with World War II, there definitely are lots of novels out there um, about that period. But I think even though there are many stories written, Um, There are also so many that haven't been told, and I love that we're starting to look at the the wartime experience from the woman's perspective more um, in fiction, because there are so many incredible stories of ordinary women who stepped up and were incredibly brave during that time. I would agree with that. I feel like by examining just in some cases, like the everyday lives of women who lived through the war, and in other cases, like the out-and-out heroines who play huge parts in resisting um, the Nazis. I feel like that gives people sort of that, I don't know, like extra glimpse into like all the people that were involved. I mean, like wars don't only affect men. Mm -hmm. And so it has never really made sense to me that for so long, the majority of like the war-based novels were at least mostly from the perspective of men, whether they were men who went to war or men who couldn't go to war for whatever reason. Like we just we read a lot of, of things about men and their relationship with war. Mm-hmm. That's really true. And and the people um, living in the countries who uh, experienced the war had just as many stories um, as those who served on the front lines. Yes. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. So what was your research like for this book? Um, 
I don't know how much of your your writing and research was done like during COVID time. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious to know kind of how that how that was for you. Yeah. So actually, this book um, I finished this book pre COVID, which was oh good. Fortunate. Yes, uh, I have been writing a, another book during COVID, but. Um, this one actually sold in 2019 about two years ago um so this was all pre-covid which helped um and i i just started out so when i was younger i lived in italy um twice once as a student and then later as a teacher and that kind of planted the seed for my interest in this story um so i started out with lots and lots of reading um i just read stacks and stacks of books and um and then lots of online resources and I unearthed my very rusty Italian to um, read some read some things in Italian to sort of get the um, closest perspective possible. So the research started with just with just months of reading, and um, and then the story formed, and I continued on from there. And I tend to research. I think all historical fiction writers probably research all the way up until publication, <laughs> which I would say is true for me as well. I would agree with that from the authors that I've spoken to um, who've written historical novels. That seems to be sort of a consensus. You know, people talk about, oh, and then I opened up a book to research this one thing. And then I just kind of fell into a rabbit hole and I researched, you know, five other things at the same time. It's really true. Yeah. And and, and so much of that doesn't even make it into the book. But I think it's helpful because um, even if you spend lots of time researching some obscure thing. Um, I think it helps just create the atmosphere of the place that you're writing about or the time that you're writing about. But yes, we we do tend to fall down those rabbit holes, I think, as historical fiction writers. So as you were researching, were there things that you learned that you found particularly surprising, perhaps things that didn't make it into the book or even things that did that like were just really really new and surprising to you? I think what was most surprising um, was really what inspired the characters that I um, wrote about in the book. Um, what was most surprising was just the the women who stepped up and played these incredibly brave roles in the resistance. Uh, because women prior to this period, prior to World War II and the fall of Mussolini, had really been encouraged uh, by the fascist state to be a very certain kind of woman. Um, women were encouraged to have large families and really live a life um, in, working at home, raising children. And um, they weren't, they were discouraged from other kinds of pursuits. And so I was just impressed with the fact that very ordinary women, um, I mean, I read stories of grandmothers and mothers with children at home and factory workers and young students who stepped up and risked their own lives to hide people or to um, carry messages for between partisan groups or even fight right on the front lines alongside the, um, the the men who resisted. So I think that was what surprised me the most was just the the way that women stepped up and filled those roles, having not been encouraged to sort of step out of line their whole lives. Mm-hmm just how they were able to kind of fill in what needed to be filled in as, as that the political landscape changed. Mm-hmm. And they were just incredibly strong and brave um, and a very, very inspiring. 
So when you were creating your characters, were they based on people that you actually learned about in your research or are they kind of composite characters of many different people's stories? I would say they're composite characters. Um, they're definitely fictional. Uh, they're, they're people that I made up, but um, they were certainly inspired by um, stories of real people. Um, I can't remember which writer said it, but some a writer said that all her research it may have been Ann Patchett, that all of her research sort of goes into a compost pile in her brain and that <laughs> compost pile creates um, the stories. And I feel like that would be a pretty true thing to say about um, Francesca and Lucia. They sort of came from this um, heap of research that I did. And so they're certainly inspired by real people, but no particular, yeah, I, I couldn't name somebody that they're based on. I find myself marginally disturbed by the idea of a compost pile in someone's brain. <laughs> That's why I am a big gardener. And so I feel like to me, oh, that just makes so much sense. <laughs> a compost in my mind just always feels a little, I don't know, slimy and, and bleh. So it, yeah. it sort of uh, messes with my, my brain to think of like, oh, yes, things are composting away in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for, you know, what you're talking about, sort of the inspiration of characters, I feel like that is actually a really good analogy, even if my brain resists it a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so have you always been kind of a, a lover of historical novels? I have been, yes. I, um, I've always, I was that kid who read all the time growing uh, up. yes. And um, I feel like when I look back, the novels that I loved all took place in some historical period. Um, so I've always been a big reader of historical fiction and then that continued on up through adulthood. And, um, and then I'm also just really fascinated by history and the stories that um, come out of it and what we can learn from them. So I would say that certainly it's been a passion for a really long time. So then it's sort of a natural progression for you to then turn to writing a historical novel. Yes, for sure. Um, I always wanted to be a writer. Uh, and I wouldn't say that when I set out, I knew that historical fiction was what I wanted to write. It was just naturally what I gravitated toward writing. Um, and World War II also felt natural for me to write about because um, three out of my four grandparents served overseas in the war, which included my grandma. And uh, she was a field nurse in hospitals on the Western Front. So I grew up hearing her stories. She was a she was a big talker and she liked to talk about her time during the war. And so I've always been really interested in World War II um, and especially in the roles that women played in the war because I grew up hearing her stories at that time. Yes. That would just be like a no pun intended, but just like a, a literal a virtual minefield of like knowledge and experience that I could definitely see how that could sort of influence your desire to tell these types of stories. Mm -hmm. So have you read any historical fiction or really other things lately? that you really want the world to know about and fall in love with? Yes, um, I think like most writers, my TBR pile is is huge. And um, oh, yes. 
Yeah. So there are so many books there that are waiting for me to read them. Um, but a few that I've read that just kind of blew me away over the last months. Um, one is by Jennifer Robson, her latest, yes. Our Darkest Night. Yes, it's so yes. good. And it's another one about Italy in World War II. So I was really excited to read that. And um, it takes place in Northern Italy. And it's just a beautiful, heartbreaking, but ultimately uplifting story. So that's a standout for sure this year. She is so fantastic. She really is. Have, have you read her other stuff as well? I have. I think I've read all of her books. <laughs> oh, the gown, I think, is is one of my most favorites. Oh, I loved it too. It's so wonderful. Yes, yes that's that's a favorite for sure. And then next week, another book comes out um, that's historical fiction. Renee Rosen's The Social Graces is coming out um, in just under a week. Yes, and it is. Another one that I just loved this year. Um, it's really fun, and yet also very thought provoking. Um, and it's about um, the Gilded Age, the, the Vanderbilts um, in New York City. So I found that one to be really great. Um, she is just like such a genuinely warm person. I've spoken with her before for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And she's just one of those people that, I don't know, just feels so, so warm, even though you don't, you know, like I don't know her for any length of, of time in any like deep and meaningful way. And yet, as I talked to her, I just felt like really comfortable almost instantly. She, it's true. She's just a really lovely person. Uh, really, truly. Um, another one that's great that I read this year is The Invisible Woman by Erica Roebuck. Uh, uh, yes. That is a wonderful story. That's another World War II resistance story. Um, yes, it is. Well, so good. By. Yes, it's such a good story about Virginia Hall. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. And then I've just started reading The Rose Code, um, which I feel like I wish I had opened it when I had a little more time to just read. <laughs> Uh, the Rose Code by Kate Quinn, because it's uh, like all of her books. Once you pick it up, it's hard to set it down. Um, yes. I've not read this one yet. I have it here, but I have not read it. I've heard such good things about it, though. It's probably one to start like on a weekend. <laughs> ah, yes. When you can just like sink into it. Mm -hmm. That's my weekend plan. Um, yeah. So those are just a few of the books that I've loved this this year or this season. My current read is the new, um, well, the upcoming Karen White novel, which is a dual timeline that moves back and forth between London um, in 1939 and 2019. So I'm reading, you know, another sort of look at like pre-war time and then wartime Europe oh, with fantastic. the addition of like a modern timeline story. Mm -hmm. I, I love those dual timeline stories that hop back and forth. Yes. In fact, I just read another one. This was an early copy. It's an ARC, and I think it comes out, I want to say in August, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but Natasha Lester's latest is The Riviera House, and that comes out in a few months. Oh, yes. Um, and that's the same. It, it has a, it weaves a current timeline and a World War II timeline. Um, and that was a really wonderful read as well. I have to say that arcs are one of the, the biggest joys I have as far as someone who gets to talk with authors and get to promote books. I'm always so excited to see like, what people have to look forward to. Mm -hmm. It's such a perk of this business. Too. It is. 
It is. It's upcoming books. Yes. I love that part of this. Yes. Like before, you know, it's really known about people are like, oh, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, you know, this thing that's coming out in several months, you know, you'll really love it when it does, but it's not here yet. That's right. Mark your calendars. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I just, I love knowing kind of, oh, you know, this is, this is coming. And then when it gets closer to release, it's like, I know like so many people are going to love, you know, certain things mm-hmm. and yes, it just makes me really happy. Yeah. And that, you know, who you can recommend it to before it even. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So now that courage, my love is in the world, what is coming next for you? Um, so I'm in the editing stage of a book that will be coming out next year. Um, I think in just a, under a year from now. And awesome. Um, it's called The Night of Wind and Stars. Ooh, it, that is a great title. Oh, thank you. You know how titles <laughs> titles can be. We went back and forth, but I'm really happy with the uh, the title. Um, and it's about um, it's about real women who were Swiss Red Cross workers during World War II, and they had a children's colony that they ran in southern France that housed Jewish children from Austria and Germany who had been sent by their parents um, just as the war was starting. Oh, wow. Yes. And so it's a it's a true story. It's based off of a true story of um, this children's colony and the women who ran it. And then, of course, in 1942, uh, southern France was occupied as well. And um, those children were in great danger. And so the women were, again, incredibly brave. And they stepped up to not only hide the children, but to um, help the most vulnerable escape the country. That's amazing. Thank you. Yes, it's I feel like it's such an, a fantastic story. And it was one that was just really should be told. So I'm, I'm very excited for it to come out into the world. So as you've kind of switched from writing like your first book to this second one, are there things that kind of you've learned along the way that have helped to streamline your process? Or when you started to write the second book, was it like a completely new experience? Um, the second book, well, I think it was kind of a new experience. I think you learn for sure with every book. Um, and so it probably certain things become easier um, with each one. Although each book is so different, you know, the research is different and the characters are different. And so it it does sort of feel like immersing yourself into an entirely new experience. Um, And the second book just, I feel like that book had me under its spell. Um, When I was writing it, it just came out. um, I mean, I would never say that writing is easy, but it was a a story that emerged, I think as easily as a story can. And, um, and, and yeah, so I'm very, very excited about it um, and can't wait to see what, what people think when that one comes along. So did you find there to be a great difference in writing something that's based kind of on a true story versus writing like fictional characters who lived during a real period of history? It was a little different because um, in writing about real people, I felt that it was very important to get the facts of their lives as, as correct as possible. Um, and these women weren't famous women. They, <laughs> like the women in my first story, they were they were quite ordinary women. And so there, I had to really dig for information about um, their lives and their experiences. And I was able to find a lot, which, which was wonderful. 
uh, I feel that they who I've written is quite close to who they actually were. Um, but the research definitely took me down lots of rabbit holes on this story because I felt um, that it was very important to do my best to be as accurate as possible. And that was true in the first story as well. Um, although in the first story, Encourage My Love, the characters are um, fictional. And so I had complete freedom with the characters. And it was the setting that I was very, the setting and the timeline of history that I was um, concerned with getting completely accurate. So I would say I did just as much research, but um, it was a little bit different when I was researching real people and writing about them. I think one of the things that I am most drawn to about the historical fiction authors that I've spoken to and those that I've, I've read, even that I haven't um, interviewed for the podcast, is their commitment to telling stories in like the best and most accurate ways. Not that you know people don't make creative choices and you know change certain things to better like fit a story sometimes, but. I love that people are conscientious about doing their research and, you know, making those decisions to make changes with so much care. Mm -hmm. I feel like as a historical novelist, um, there's an interesting intersection between fiction and history. And I think that we all feel a great responsibility to honor the people who lived through events and, um, and one way to honor them is to try to get their stories right. Um, so it is always sort of this balance of of the, the fictional aspects of a story um, that need to be there in order for it to be a story. Um, and then balancing that with the facts and and what actually happened in history. Um, and yes, I think it's a it's a great responsibility to try to do that, to do that well. I know at least for myself, like I don't pick up a historical novel and expect, you know, every single fact to be as it would have been in you know, the actual time that people are writing about. But I also do expect as a reader, you know, to have most things like relatively accurate. Mm hmm. I think in some ways that's a, I think almost a fun challenge, too. Um, you know, when I'm when I'm doing my initial research and I'm I'm a plotter, I, I tend to plot books out um, in the beginning pretty thoroughly. And I it's it almost becomes like a fun puzzle to fit the story and the historical timeline together. Um, so it's it's it, it adds a layer of challenge, but I find it to be kind of a fun layer of challenge, if that makes sense. That does make sense. It's almost like that sort of puzzle sense of like trying to figure out which pieces you can move around if you need to mm -hmm. and which things are sort of essential like cornerstones of the time and the specific situation. Mm -hmm, exactly. And then at some point, the, the two things, the, the fictional story that you're writing and the, the history sort of blend together and become seamless. And that's when it's that's when it's really fun, because then you feel like you've succeeded. <laughs> yes. Yes. And success is, is always a fantastic thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time. Um, we are recording this right in the middle of your release week. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and let listeners know a little bit more about you and your book. 
Yes, you're so welcome. And thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And before I let you dash off, can you let listeners know the best place they can find you online? Sure. Um, so I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and then I have a webpage. Um, my website is www.kristenbeckauthor.com. And that has links to my social media. But um, if you wanted to look for me straight on social media, um, on Facebook, I am um, Kristen Beck Author. And also on Instagram, I'm Kristen Beck Author. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I wish you the best of luck with your next book. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. New books. As always, I am really excited to share some of these things with you. Um, This was a pretty great release week, it turns out. So the first three books I'm going to talk about are books that you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated Books of May episode. I'm starting out with Local Woman Missing by Mary Kubica. This was one of Melissa's picks and an author that I either really, really love or really, really dislike when I read her books. Um, I, I should rephrase that to say that I really love some of her books and really dislike others. I'm hoping that Local Woman Missing will be in the love category. Then we have The Soulmate Equation. This is a contemporary romance by Christina Lauren and is one of Stacy's most anticipated May releases. I want to give a brief mention to a book that Brooke talked about. This is Magical Midlife Meeting. It is Leveling Up, book five by K.F. Breen. And the interesting thing about this book is that it has two release dates. So depending, I guess, on who you ask, this book either came out at the end of April or just came out today. So I wanted to give it a mention because it is something that was on our most anticipated May releases episode, and it's Paranormal Women's Fiction, which has been getting a lot of buzz here on Book Bistro. Okay, so let's talk about new books, books that you have not heard us talk about before. I'm going to start out with a couple of mysteries. First up, Being the Hunting Wives by May Cobb. This one put me in mind a little bit of Laura Hankins' A Special Place for Women in that it's about a woman who's kind of just like a normal everyday person who gets kind of sucked into the really outlandish, over-the-top schemes of a group of wealthy Texas women. And the closer she gets to these women, the more she starts to realize that these people do not live the way she does. And possibly, these people do not have her back. So, this is The Hunting Wives. I've read an early copy. I highly recommend it if you are looking for a good thriller. Then we have The Missing. This is by Kirsten Modulin, who is an author that a couple of you have recommended to me um, in terms of really great mysteries and thrillers. So this is one that I wanted to highlight. It's called The Missing. It is about five strangers who are somehow abandoned on this island for a reason that is unknown to all of them. Again, it's The Missing by Kirsten Modulin. 
Okay, this next book really, like I haven't read it yet, but it really creeped me out just looking at the synopsis. This is The First Day of Spring. It's by Nancy Tucker. It's about an eight-year-old girl who killed someone somehow. And then years later, she is sort of confronted by this secret from her past. And she doesn't know who knows about her past, but someone obviously does. And they don't seem to have very good intentions toward her. So this is The First Day of Spring, and it's by Nancy Tucker. So now I'm moving on to just kind of general fiction. Um, there's some romance in here, a little bit of women's fiction, just all kinds of things that I feel like can fit into several categories. And so I'm talking about them here. Um, last summer at the Golden Hotel, by Alyssa Friedland is out this week. You may remember her from the novel The Floating Feldmans, and she does a really great job of bringing these large, messy families to life. And so this one is about two families who come together at this hotel that they sort of co-own, and now they may have to sell it. And how, oh how, can they ever agree on the terms necessary to sell it? It's Last Summer at the Golden Hotel, and it's by Alyssa Friedland. Next up is The Clover Girls. This is by Viola Shipman, who is an author um, that Stacy has talked about on the podcast before. This is about four women who met at camp when they were teenagers, and now they're kind of in their middle age and things are not going the way they expected. And so what are they going to do about it? And can they kind of come together the way they did when they were teenagers and help each other out? This is The Clover Girls by Viola Shipman. And kind of on a similar theme, we have The Breakup Book Club by Wendy Wax. I've actually never read a Wendy Wax book before, and she's written a bunch of them, so I really need to remedy this. But this is about four women, again, who are part of this book club that they call the Breakup Book Club. And it's basically helping them kind of overcome the hard things in their lives, but also to realize that there are good things still to come, and that with the power of good friends and good books, those things can be achieved. It's the Breakup Book Club. And it is by Wendy Wax. This next book I'm super excited about. I'm actually on hold for it at the public library. I expected a really long wait list, but I'm like number two, so I'm really excited. This is Madam. It's by Phoebe Wynn. And it's one of those kind of gothic, creepy boarding school books. This woman is a classics teacher. She's one of the only people to be hired by this school in quite a long time. She goes there, and of course, there's all kinds of secrets to be uncovered. I really, really want this. It's Madam by Phoebe Wynn. This next book intrigues me. It's called How to Save a Life, and it's by Eva Carter. It's about three people who are all impacted in different ways by a medical emergency. One of them wants to be a doctor and is struggling with kind of how they acted when this medical emergency happened. One of them is the person who um, 
experienced the emergency and one is a person who could have intervened and apparently did not. So this is How to Save a Life and it's by Eva Carter. This next book I am super excited about. It's called Happy Endings and this is by Tin Kim Lam. Um, I have followed her on Facebook for quite a while and just really, really enjoy the things that she has to say about romance novels and the way romance novels fit into women's lives. Now, though, she has written a romance novel, and I am so excited for it. So this is the story of a Vietnamese woman who wants to prove to her parents that she can be successful in an unconventional business, and she is apparently a sex toy salesperson. She teams up with the man who dumped her several years before, who is also a restaurateur. Um, he apparently has a soul food restaurant, and somehow they team up sex toys and good food. And of course, they're kind of second chance at love. So this is Happy Endings. It's by Tin Kim Lam, and I I'm so, so excited not only to read it, but also for other people to read it and so I can hear all the things that you have to say about it. Okay, how about a historical novel? This is The Stars We Share. It's by Rafe Posey and it is kind of a historical romance, like an epic saga about these people who meet in 1927 when they're children. And they become good friends. They eventually fall in love. But of course, in the late 30s, very early 40s, World War II starts up and this separates them, which is something that they never expected. And so now we get to follow both of them as they try to navigate the war and also find their way back to one another. It's The Stars We Share, and it's by Rafe Posey. I am wrapping up with some young adult titles, so many good ones out this week. First among them is Off the Record by Cameron Garrett. And this is, um, Cameron Garrett wrote a book in either 20, 2019, I believe, um, that really took the YA world by storm. This is the follow-up to that. It's about a young journalist who comes across what she thinks might be the Me Too story of the decade, but there's some conflict when she wants to actually publish it, and she has to kind of examine her morals and her ethics to decide whether disclosing this story is actually the right thing to do. So this is Off the Record by Cameron Garrett. Next up is Some Girls Do. This is by Jennifer Dugan. She wrote Hot Dog Girl last year, which I never read, but I have heard so many fantastic things about. People just found it to be utterly delightful, um, kind of like an amusement park uh, romp with kind of a cute YA romance woven through it. So this one, Some Girls Do, is about lesbians. One of them is a track star who is out and very proud and she apparently falls for this closeted beauty queen who is also really into working on cars. This is Some Girls Do, and it's by Jennifer Dugan. If you love the Gilmore Girls, 
If you've ever loved the Gilmore Girls, my next pick is for you. This is The Marvelous Mirza Girls by Sheba Karim. So think about the Gilmore Girls, but instead of living in kind of the swanky, like, New England towns, picture it in New Delhi. And if you do that, you've got The Marvelous Mirza Girls. It's about an 18-year-old who travels to India and learns all kinds of things about herself and her family. Lots of fantastic female power here. I'm really looking forward to this. It's The Marvelous Mirza Girls, and it's by Sheba Kareem. I'm also really excited about the new Francisco X. Stork book. I really loved his The Memory of Light of several years ago. Um, so this is on the hook and it's about Hector who has tried all of his life to keep a low pro profile. He knows that there are some dangerous people in the world and he doesn't really want them to take notice of him. So what happens when they do? It's on the hook and it's by Francisco X. Stork. And this last book just kind of confirms that this is an epic release week because I have two creepy boarding school books coming out in the same week. This is Don't Breathe a Word by Jordan Taylor. And it's this fancy boarding school shrouded in secrets. I think all fancy boarding schools must be shrouded in secrets, at least if literature is any indication. But we focus on one young girl who is determined to write all of the institution's wrongs. And all I can say is I am here to watch her do it. So this is Don't Breathe a Word, and it's by Jordan Taylor. And that, my friends, does it for me this week. I hope that you are staying safe and that you are reading as many fantastic books as possible. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.